This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by Dama Financial. Get access to a secure, transparent banking solution with Dama Financial. Secure your cash, make and receive electronic payments, and stop worrying that your account will be shut down for being a cannabis business. Protect your money with an FDIC-insured bank account and discover Dama's suite of sustainable, compliant financial products, including merchant processing. Schedule a free consultation at damafinancial.com today or call 877-401-3262. Dama Financial is an agent of its financial institutions. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gontrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I am joined by Elliot Lewis. He's the CEO of California-based Catalyst Cannabis Company, which recently rebranded from Connect SoCal, uh, which has retail locations in Long Beach, Bellflower, and Santa Ana. How are you doing this afternoon, Elliot? Doing very good. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. No, I'm excited, man. You have a you have a really interesting story. I've I've read some interviews with you, read some things that you've written. Um, but I want to uh, get to know you a little bit first, man. Get our listeners to know know a little bit about you. What's your background and how'd you end up in the space? Well, as we uh, talked about right before we got on air, uh, was a student at UC Berkeley that studied philosophy. Actually, grew a little cannabis back in those days. Uh, had a three lighter in a basement. Pretty proud of myself. Uh, that was right when uh, I was there when uh, the Prop 215 passed. So I was one of the first guys that was able to get one of those, uh, you know, uh, light, uh, whatever, the, the medical cards. There was only one doctor that would do it back then. And Berkeley and Oakland were kind of the uh, uh, the hot spots to get it. You know, then uh, from there, you know, I got I got pretty heavy into real estate. It was I was doing that from like 2004 to like 14. And I had an old cow buddy of mine, actually, that just kept growing. Uh, that was always hitting me up to uh, do a grow. And then, uh, you know, I was a little reluctant at first. I had three kids at that time. Four now, it was still a little gray. Um, but I jumped in around uh, maybe late 14, early 15. Did a few 215 grows. Those were fairly successful. Met some guys in Northern California. Uh, you know, they ended up, uh, you know, they needed a guy with real estate kind of experience. So that's kind of how I started getting into it. And then when the ordinance came uh, down here to my hometown, which is Long Beach, uh, you know, I read it and was like, ah, I wonder if I can figure out how to get one of these. I had been part of a, some, you know, grow applications and stuff, but never really got too uh, deep into that part of it. And long story short, we ended up winning six here in uh, Long Beach. And then that like clicked a switch in my brain that uh, this is what I wanted to do. So then we just been kind of moving block by block, uh, street by street, city by city. Uh, trying to open up cities and acquire these retail licenses. So I, I have a, I've had quite a few guests who have started in the real estate industry and made the transition. Uh, can you tell me why you think that that is sort of a trend that that we see in the space? Well, I mean, every deal that you do, every store that you open, either has a lease or a uh, or it's a you know a purchase option that you end up purchasing. So like the basis of like the first step. Uh, is real estate, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I couldn't really say what the, the correlation is, you know, that was kind of my in with the guys that had been around longer in the cannabis, cannabis industry. So I just kind of, you know, learned from them, hung out with them, and then, you know, took my own plunge 
uh, and, and kind of broke out and started doing things on my own and, and moved away from just being the uh, the real estate finder guy. Interesting. Um, so, so you're, you're in California. I mean, by, by all respects, it's the largest, uh, market in the world, uh, for cannabis. Uh, it's, you know, one of the world's largest economies, if not the, the largest anyway. Um, and, and recently you did rebrand from connect SoCal to catalyst cannabis company. What was behind that decision to rebrand it, as most people in the safe space know how important, uh, re, you know, the brand name is and, and has that decision, uh, affected your customer base thus far? So, you know, the, the, the history of that rebrand, we were always just licensing the name and sometimes people uh, get this confused, but the uh, 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 Northern California, their, their name's Connected International. They're nice enough to allow us to license the name. I still have a very good relationship with them to this day. Um, you know, they, we, we were kind of getting a little ways along in our retail acquisition. Uh, we play the game pretty rough. You know, we got code specialists, background checks, uh, in a merit-based process, it's very competitive. So, you know, Connect International's main competency is is selling flowers. So, you you know, we it was kind of a weird place to be in. You know, the name of our parent company, Southport Holdings, and we were branding, uh, you know, licensing basically a name from them that was Connected. So the owner of Connected uh, called me up. I call it the real Connected. Uh, called me up and was like, you know, everybody fucking hates your guys' guts out there, right? You, uh, you know, they're trying to sell. Uh, cannabis in, in Long Beach and, you know, different places in Bellflower, Santa Ana, even other cities, you know, people have come across us. You know, a lot of times we don't win the licensing process. We're very thorough. We do litigate and, uh, you know, we, we price very aggressively. So, you know, he's like, dude, you're like uh, not helping us out here, you know, sell flower, you know, in particular in Long Beach. And I was like, well, it's funny you'd say that. We've been talking about doing uh, our own thing. And look, man, you've been, you know, uh, a good partner. We do own a small piece of Connected International, maybe 2% or so. Uh, we rolled in some grows um, with them. So, you know, we had the conversation and, and we were wanting to go out and get our own identity and they were didn't want to be uh, mixed up with our bad boy of cannabis image. So it was pretty mutual, but, you know, they raised it and, uh, you know, we, we, we had the conversation. He went to his staff. I went to my staff. We flipped it to Catalyst Cannabis Co. and the, and the rest is history. And we're really proud of, you know, what we've done here at Catalyst Cannabis. It's nice to have our own uh, identity. You know, their hashtag was designer weed. We're weed for the people. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're like the, uh, the underfunded, uh, you know, block to block, street fighter, no Lambos, no flossing. Uh, you know, we, we price really aggressive. We don't have any high priced uh, salaries or any of that fancy shit. We don't suck money out of the company. So it, it was kind of cool to, you know, develop our, our uh, you know, our own image, our own, uh, our own thing. You know, we're very tight with labor. We have an alliance with them. So we could now publicly, uh, you know, make that alliance, you know, more official out in public. So there was a lot of little issues that, that, that were kind of already bumping against each other. But it, it's been a really good change. Really hasn't affected much as far as sales or, or anything else. You know, we are connected, uh, no pun intended, to the connected brand and, you know, there's a sh been a shortage of indoor flowers, so I'm always calling them up like, hey, man, make the drop fatter. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we, we leave the uh, top of the shelf exclusively for them. And we have some other talks, uh, you know, to continue to strengthen the relationship. But that's kind of the nexus uh, of it. Their primary uh, goal was to sell, you know, wholesale flour throughout California. And our primary goal is to go city by city and acquire retail licenses. 
And throughout that process, you know, fellow retailers were not that popular and that wasn't helping uh, the connected name. So, and, and, and for the record, I, I take haterism as the highest form of uh, compliments. So it's not something that, uh, you know, I felt sad about when I heard it, it uh, you know, I actually, uh, you know, appreciated it. You know, the guys in our organization and our workers, you know, we treat them like family, but we're in a competitive license uh, battle. You know, we do everything within the framework of the rules to win. So you said you, you said that you know you have this sort of street fighter mentality, this this street by street mentality, and 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 a lot of the stuff I've read about you, you've made a conscious decision to stay local. Um, why is that so important to you as other companies seek markets beyond their borders? You know, so we did dabble a little bit in Missouri and Illinois, but the 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 the, the truth is the California market is the best. You know, there was this popular idea that if you were an MSO, that was better. Uh, I, I think it turns out it's not. Uh, you know, you, you've now not consolidated your forces. So we're really just bringing it back uh, to Southern California. You know, we might go up a little higher or a little lower. Look, at there's 99 cities in the city of Los Angeles. Maybe 10, 11 of them have gone legal. There's 34 in Orange County. Only one of them have gone legal. Legal. You know, you got North County. Uh, you got San Bernardino County, Riverside County, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much to be done here. I mean, if we keep moving, you know, who knows what the end number is, 40, 80, 100 licenses that, you know, I think we've got away from what the investors want. And we've just grown this organically and just trying to really make our, our, our strong presence here in Southern California. Plus, at the end of the day, I think whoever wins California, that brand is going to be able to, to migrate. Like, ain't nobody in California going to buy some sorry-ass Canadian weed or sorry-ass Colorado weed. But you better believe it's going to work the other way, where if you have a good name in California, you're going to be able to migrate, you know, somewhere else. And without getting too deep into, you know, specific calls, there is people trying to figure out how to get into California. So we've already made a lot of our, our connections here. We understand how the system works, how to win a license. So it just makes sense to, to stay at home and, and we're not trying to get over our skis and get in the Midwest and East Coast. And everybody knows at the end of the day, if you make it in California, then your shit's going to export anywhere. Like the day that some like Canadian weed is a hot seller in uh, uh, L.A., it's a cold day in hell. Never going to fucking happen. So, you know, I'm not so worried about like, you know, speedily running across the country. It will be interesting to see these bigger companies that are you know trying to get into California. Um, you know, how they'll be taken. But for now, we just uh, really try to consolidate our forces. You know, that's our was our original core competency. We've got really good at the, the ops end now, too, is just being able to acquire a license on a little bit of money. We're not heavily funded. It's all friends and families, mom and pa's, that kind of thing. You know, we have to gamble 100 grand to win something for 10 million bucks. We don't run around town, you know, seven or 10 million bucks. So, you know, one of the reasons we have a chip on our shoulder is, you know, we probably have 5% or 10% of the funding, uh, you know, as the big boys do. And with the five that we have, the 13 that we've won that are we're pushing slowly but surely through development, you know, we think we're gonna have one of the bigger retail footprints in Southern California, and we've got in this shit for pennies on the dog. I, I mean, it's what you're doing is, is really, really exciting because, you know, as covering this industry every single day, as I do, and in those same names that, that you keep mentioning or that you've mentioned or alluded to sort of pop up, how... How are you, you know, with, I mean, maybe without not divulging sort of your, your secrets, but how are you competing 
uh, with these massive MSOs, multi-million dollar companies? You know, how are you doing this? Well, we have this radical idea that you got to be profitable. Uh, it's just a fucking crazy idea. Apparently, these motherfuckers didn't get the memo before they started, right? They raised, you know, 300 million, 100 million, 120 million, spent it all on themselves. So we've been growing this thing organically. We are starting to have longer, larger conversations about uh, getting bigger amounts. And we don't need a lot, right? You know, we're just trying to get the 13 that we have uh, in the pipe uh, built out. If we do that, you know, we're right there with them. The great part about this industry, if I go into a city like we just won in El Monte, we just won in Pomona. So, you know, Joe Blow, who's got a hundred million dollar stack, he sits at the same table as me and I put a hundred K up and I'll fuck that guy up in a retail licensing competition. And, and it's not just because, you know, we play aggressive, you know, we do all the right shit. When we come into communities, you know, we partner with local partners. We're really big on our community outreach. Everybody that, uh, you know, we've hired reflects, you know, what the values are. Of our, of our, you know, company, you know, I, we do play the game rough, but then we, we come, we come in, we're legit. We back up what we say, and we're good corporate citizens. So like in so much as you think you could buy California ain't going to happen. Right. The, I'm going to show up, you know, city X is about to go, by the way, I got seven or eight, I'm not going to say what they are on camera right now that we're, you know, hopefully going to get into in the next cycle. I show up with a hundred grand. I can get a fucking license. You show up with, you know, 10 million, 12 million, Meanwhile, you've paid all your staff, your GNA, everything, you know, and you're whittling down your money. And my 100K play is just as good as your big bankroll. So, you know, we've had it because we're underfunded, uh, kind of learn to be efficient. You know, we run the ops really efficient. Uh, everybody at our teams bought into the, to the mission, which is really important. We have super talented people. Oh, besides the CFO, I'm the oldest guy here, I'm pretty sure. I'm like a grandpa of 42. Uh, but everybody really believes we, we're giving them equity in the company and then we're keeping the payroll uh, low. So the, the goal is that we build this great company and that if everybody buys into it, uh, and that's how we've really been, you know, fighting off the big boys. If you look at our, you know, total GNA for a year, you know, our payroll is about a million bucks. Um, I'm on a thing, sorry. <laughs> People walking in my office right now. Ours about a million bucks. You know, all these other guys run a 20 million, $30 million payrolls. So they're burning through money fast. Meanwhile, we're just making like little bets, you know, it's a gamble. We don't win them all. Um, you know, sometimes we lose, but we've been very thorough in the litigation process. So if the, if the, if the process isn't done appropriately, we do a, a public information request, we check all the data, we make sure there's uh, consistencies in the scoring and that sort of thing. And, you know, we've litigated against cities and it's been a fairly successful strategy as well. And, and look, you have to, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of corruption that goes on in this industry. Just a fact. We don't engage in corruption, and quite frankly, I think it lacks uh, creativity. And it's just, you know, like a, a like a layman's way of getting something done. And it's really hard to prove like how the duffel bag went over. But what I can prove is that your scoring in this area isn't consistent with your published policies. And if I can do that, then you know, in a mandamus action and litigation, I have a, a fairly good chance of uh, of being successful. So that's another way that. Uh, you know, we've, we've been successful at it, but you know, with these guys that had a bunch of money in the start that paid top market, hired a bunch of marketing pros, all this shit, you know, they, they burned through their bank bankroll. We don't really spend money on marketing either. We just offer the consumer the best price and the best menu. That's our marketing and little by little word of mouth. It's uh, getting out. 
So I want to talk to you more about your employees. But before that, um, I, I do want to ask you, what is your relationship like with your employees? You know, can can the guy, you know, the, the, the lowest guy on the totem pole per se, you know, does he have access to you? Because you seem very, very accessible and you describe yourself as a 43 year old grandpa. I'm, I'm, I'm well, well, to, to your point, I, every single guy up and down, we got about 150. I love them like their family. There's no job I won't do. We had a COVID outbreak at uh, one of our shops. I went in there, you know, we were running low on employees. Who was going to come in? Who wasn't going to come in? I ran in there. I did the front desk for nine hours. I was a terrible receptionist. I was probably <laughs> on my phone the whole fucking time. Uh, my wife came in. She came in with her friend. We were able to keep the store running, got everybody tested and, and, and you know, kept it going in a, in a safe way. Um, you know, to the people that were out, I personally delivered uh, that had COVID, you know, even the asymptomatic guys, I personally delivered them the, the, the care package of cannabis. I have customers that hit me up all the time on IG. I do my best to, to try to make it anybody and everybody happy. I always love all the input. Um, you know, I find that, you know, I have a certain kind of way that I like to go, but the synthesis of ideas, uh, you know, usually leads to the best outcome. And I got a lot of blind spots. Um, you know, sometimes I'm uh, move a little quick. I'm impatient. So I, I'm really big on the group consensus. we got about 11, 12 guys up here um, at HQ, but if, and I tell this to the union reps or anybody, you know, that I'll give anybody that works for us. I consider them family. I'll give them the shirt off my back. Same thing with our investors. You know, we don't have, uh, you know, some big hedge fund and they, they lose 10 million bucks. Like that's, it's, you know, they're just, it's one last fucking yacht. You know, I got these little mom, pa guys that relying on me uh, for rent and stuff. We call it OPM, other people's money. It's the most highly regarded uh, asset that we have uh, this corporation. So anybody, I am very approachable. Anybody in the organization ever need anything? We just had a guy, he's got a, a tumor issue, brain tumor. We, we kept him on full pay. Uh, he just was at the cherry store over the weekend, made sure he got, you know, free cannabis, whatever it is. So within our own family, it's all love. We do whatever we can. You know, when we're out there in the street in a bare knuckle fist fight trying to win a license, you know, we play for keeps. So it's an interesting kind of uh, dichotomy that we, uh, you know, roll over here. But uh, I do like to always stay accessible. You know, I love the input of the, uh, you know, the lowest man on the totem pole, so to speak. We implemented a new thing where they can uh, make any suggestion. It's totally anonymous, uh, up to HQ. So, you know, I want those comments. Um, you know, I want people to say, hey, knucklehead, you stupid motherfucker, and check this out, check this out, don't ignore this. So that's all stuff that, uh, you know, is important to me because I think sometimes, you know, you get a little echo chamber or you don't want to be removed the guys that actually know what's going on are the you know down at the store level at the uh the front line so i never thought i'd have you know 150 employees i've had to learn how to do hr and some of this other shit that's a little uh laborious and i won't bore you with that and random issues uh that come up but all i ever wanted to do was get one and now we're on this you know uh whatever you want to call it you know escapade of fuck it let's try to take as many as we can in southern california so, you know, you've mentioned your employees a couple of times, and, and is it correct that all of your employees are unionized? Yeah, so they're all unionized. That's that's, that's something we believe in. Anywhere the labor goes, uh, you know, we roll with them. You know, and, and El Monte was kind of a model ordinance. Uh, our organization was a large part of writing it. You know, uh, we, there was a, a scoring matrix where that if, if you did have a collective bargaining agreement, you were given extra consideration. At this point, all we do is accrete additional stores. So in other words, we don't have to negotiate a new deal every time. 
to my knowledge, we have the most generous collective bargaining agreement uh, that's out there today. Um, and I always say that I'm fucking sure as day that we have the least proportional difference between what the lowest guy makes and the highest guy makes. For the record, I don't make shit. I've never pulled a dollar out of this company yet, but even our higher staff is only making a little bit uh, more than the bud tenders. So we're playing the long game, um, you know, but it's something we believe in. Uh, we're really proud to uh, have an alliance with UFCW. They also got their little regions that I'm kind of learning about. You got 324, 770, 1428. Um, and I've just really learned, uh, you know, a lot about it. But it's something we're really proud of is healthcare, 401ks. Uh, you know, they get uh, double time on holidays, you know, really uh, paid vacation. So there's really good benefits. And what we always try to do is promote from within. So, you know, as we expand, the bud tenders become lead bud tenders, lead bud tenders become assistant managers, assistant managers become managers, and, you know, managers, we pull up to HQ. So we have people that are, uh, we do our Monday ops meeting just right before this. So, you know, we got guys in HQ that uh, a couple of, a guy and a girl started off as, as bud tenders, and that will be the trend that we continue. Because it's a lot easier knowing, you know, what you got for a year, two years, three years, versus taking a, a wild guess on hiring. And honestly, those guys that are in the industry that are, you know, 25 to 35, they know their shit uh, really, really well. You know, I call them the cool kids. They know what's going to sell at what price. And it's, it, it's, it's really important. When I was, you know, 18, it was like you either had some swag weed from, uh, you know, from, from south of the border, and that was like Cess, or you had the chronic. And it was all just lumped into one category. Now they got like 100 fucking different things. And our, our cool kids, you know, stay on top of it, which is super important because ultimately the consumers, uh, appreciate that. And we found having the right menu selection at the right price is one of the most important things uh, that, that we could deliver. So the other thing that, that I found interesting about how the structure of your company is that you keep these sweet, sweet positions low, which which uh, allows you to reinvest and keep your prices low. T tell me about the sort of thought process behind that mentality. Well, it just it wasn't like something set out that we planned to do. You know, we we're like a paycheck to paycheck, uh, you know, operation where, you know, we make money off the five stores that we have, but when you have 13 build outs that you need to knock out, you're not knocking them out as, as fast as you want. So you started with me and then, you know, pretty soon thereafter, my right-hand man, uh, his name's Damien. I call him the Kaiser Sose of cannabis. He's like this mystical figure that everybody is uh, afraid of. Just genius guy. Uh, we love working together. Our deal that I have with him, we don't even have a written contract. Whenever you get money, my man, just pay me. So like, if he's light, I'll hook him up. Or, you know, we've had to sell a few of these off. Unfortunately, we try to sell as few as we can. Um, you know, we've sold a few of the bottom ones. We close a deal or a cultivation license or we get a little raise. And I'll come in his office and it's like a joke. Pursuant to our deal, bang, I'll drop him some money. So, you know, he could be making easily, you know, a million bucks a year. He's one of the most uh, valuable per people in cannabis today. And, you know, he's just pay me whatever you got. So like, and again, it's just believing in the thing. And then, you know, everybody else who kind of works here, we then we hired two more people. So they kind of got into that program and it's just um, been what we've done, hire people at enough so they can pay their bills. Let's not be greedy fat pigs and take all our money now. Let's wait, let's build this. You know, right now we got five stores and we're pushing up a portfolio of 18. You know, if we can get to that over the hump, you know, 12, 13, 14, you know, then maybe we can loosen it up uh, a little bit. But right now we're still just pushing the bowler up the hill 
and it's it, it's been a big push and we, we don't want to slow down though so it's like uh you know not that it's a great analogy but uh you know like when cortez showed up not that he was a good guy he's an evil guy i don't want to get in trouble but he burned the fucking ships right so uh and 500 dudes i'm not justifying the atrocities but the 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 analogy uh carries you know 500 dudes took on a million uh 500 spaniards took on a million mayans why because there wasn't no fucking way home so that's just the mentality that that, we, that we've kind of taken and we keep pushing 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 literally before i got on with you i'm uh, working on how to finance uh our next build out i'm selling the property then reselling it to someone else taking out a little bit of the money and you know uh, just try to make it work you know little by little so i spent a lot of my time doing that leveraging this you know, making this move, raising 100 here, 200 there, where, you know, these other guys have just been getting stroked monster uh, checks. But everybody who's thrown in with us is making fucking money. Everybody who threw in, uh, you know, with I won't say their names, they lost their fucking ass, right? So, I mean, you've got guys that came out in the dollars that are trading it, uh, you know, penny stock value. We did the reverse. We're penny stock and we're working our way up. Uh, you, know, you know, hopefully we'll be able to build something, uh, you know, great. I like the, the direction we're going, but... Um, I don't know why everybody's bought into it. I think they see that, that we're sincere in our mission and that, you know, uh, I think they see the vision, you know, we, that we have. And, and uh, I think they believe in that. And it, and it means a lot. And like anybody up and down, if they ever had a fucking thing, I'll give them my shirt off my back, you know, and everybody here, there is no nine to five shit. Everybody works until the work is done. So you talk about, you know, rolling the boulder up the hill and, you know, for the last eight months, I mean, every industry, every person has sort of been rolling a ball, you know, the boulder up the hill uh, with the pandemic. You know, you mentioned that you had your own outbreak at one of your facilities. Um, can you tell me a bit more about, you know, operating under the, the conditions that you have for the last eight months and, and what challenges aside from sort of the outbreak that you faced? Well, you know, there's outbreak, there's riots. Um, it's actually been a good time for us. Uh, we've seen our sales go up. I call it the bubblegum shrimp uh, model. You know, he's the last guy that survived in the fleet. You know, his people were getting looted and we weren't. And people couldn't figure out how to work with COVID. Uh, they're, they're losing customers. Uh, we're still going. You know, we our big issue always when, when there was a positive test, we disclosed to the whole staff. Just, there's been different one-off and, and there was a three-off. We disclosed to the whole staff. And then whoever wants to come in, it's, it's voluntary. Um, and usually we pay them some amount extra, whether it be, you know, one and a half, two X, and we keep it going that way. And just so everybody knows that I back up my shit and I do what I say, when we were really light at one place, uh, you know, I showed up there with myself and my wife and my wife was bud tending, her friend was bud tending, and I was working the front desk, no breaks, no food on my phone. I got a day job CEO and I you know, work in uh, the reception. I'm shocked. I didn't get any negative reviews on weed maps. I thought I, I thought somebody was going to be like, who is this fat faced motherfucker on the phone the whole time he was uh, working front desk? But we were able to pull it off, and that kind of rallied the troops. We got seven more the next day. Uh, a couple guys transferred in from other stores. So, you know, always just pushing that attitude like, yo, we're going to stay open. You know, you got to make sure that uh, we're, 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 it's important, employee safety. But the very first thing we do is always disclosure. But then, you know, there was the civil unrest. So we had a little bit of an incident that we were able to make it through. They smashed up a window uh, and whatnot. But I was personally out there, nothing lethal, non-lethal, bear spray and, uh, you know, tasers and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just making sure that we protected, our, you know, our, our property. And look, I understand why the people were uh, uh, upset. And it's a real issue, especially 
being in the cannabis industry and, and the fact that uh, you know certain communities have been you know disproportionately impacted on on the war on drugs. You know that said, we had to make sure that uh, you know our places were safe. So a lot of guys got taken out during that time period. There was also a supply shortage, and you know because we've been a good buyer, we've taken care of our vendors. You know we we were able to kind of uh, battle through it. So you know amazingly from January to today, uh, you know we've everything we've done. You know we've you know we've over tripled the revenue. Uh, you know we're, we're we've acquired more stores. We just you know kept kept going uh, heads down. And there's you know been a couple you know things that we had to duck and dodge. And there's always an element of of luck. But I do try to instill in the staff like you know yeah if we're if there's a moment and we can't charge up the hill then we won't. But until that moment comes you know heads down let's go we're on a mission. So that's that's kind of our our mantra here. You mentioned the supply chain. Was that due to the fires, or were you were was you were you guys impacted by the fires in any regard? I I, I think there was. It's just like one of this weird like ten year storms. A, it's seasonal, right? So it always kind of happens at this June July time. And then some guys got took out by the riots. Uh, I know seven ten, and some other ones got taken out. And then I, I there there was the fires as well. I suspect. Uh, that some of the, uh, you know, the, the legal industry, because there was such a shortage, was diverting uh, product. I don't know, but uh, you know that there were some of those rumors going around. So it was just this really weird thing where uh, the prices shot up. You know, everything there was COVID. There was, you know, uh, uh, there's this weird relationship between the illicit market and the and the and the, the legal market that nobody really likes to talk about. So. As a legal operator, you want to see the illicit market go away, right? But oddly enough, when it goes away, the legal market somehow finds ways to, to make sure that it hits a little bit of a equilibrium. So I think because of COVID, it and I, this is all you know just guessing, but it 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 really affected the illegal market. So you know it incentivized bad actors to also uh, you know bring product into the illegal market as well. So you know probably 70% of the market is still uh, non-legal and there's a lot of demand there as well. So you had COVID, you had uh, the riots, which was a big thing. And then just the time of year it was seasonally. Then I think guys were, that were, you know, legal growers, you know, maybe some shit was accidentally falling off their truck or whatever. I don't know, but uh, we found it really hard uh, to stay stocked. It seems like now, actually it just came up at our meeting that uh, there's more coming online you know, I presume that within a 18 months to 24 months, if you look at all the lights that are coming online, there should be a, a, an oversupply of, of cannabis like has happened in most of the states because the retail licenses are limited, whereas the grow licenses are pretty easy uh, to, to get your hands on. So it's been a battle, but, you know, I, I think in the end for me, those kind of things actually help us uh, if, if we're able to outperform or, you know, work ourselves through it. And it also slowed down the game. You know, if all the cities go at once, we're played out, right? But the fact that they're kind of moving slowly and COVID slowed them down and we can play in three or four places at a time, that plays right into our our, our strong suit. You know, we're sitting at a table with a small stack. So we got to slow the game down as, as uh, much as we can.
That's really, really, really interesting insight. And I want to talk to you about, about, about some other insight that, that you actually wrote in September in an op-ed in the Grunion. Uh, you supported this proposal by the Long Beach City Council to increase taxes on local retail cannabis sales by 0.5% uh, due to city budget shortfalls caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, you estimated it would cost you about 125000 uh, to $225,000 if they were to enact this, which uh, to most, you know, mo- most business owners, they, they, they look at a you know, proposal like that and they're like, no fucking way. Um, so so why why did you come out in, in such strong support for, for that proposal? So, you know, this really got, I got the shit kicked out of me by the industry on this one, but, you know, I'm from Long Beach. So born and raised here, you know, lived here my whole life, you know, traveled a little bit, went to school. But other than that, uh, lived here my whole life. And, you know, the idea was it was going to be a temporary raise, right? And when the city got back on footing, then, uh, you know, we could talk about lowering for the long haul. Right? I'd like to see the overall rate come down. But, I mean, you know, if you had a barber shop or you had a, a restaurant or if you had a gym or you had a nail salon, you would have got down on your knees and thank God if your taxes were just going to be raised half a percent or one percent. And you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, we ha- we have to take a hard look at our at our and just be honest and not you know fall into orthodoxy. You know, simultaneously in Bellflower, you know, we were arguing to get down the manufacturing and distribution taxes, which ultimately happened because they were too high and did work. I, I I think for me because it was my own hometown. And, you know, uh, you know, now the businesses are kind of coming back, back up and stuff, but, you know, I would drive down to second street. You never could find a place to park. You know, there was parking for days in the height of the pandemic and everything was closed down and our budget is short. You know, if it's six months, you know, or a year of paying more taxes. Now, of course the risk is they don't relower it and they get addicted to the, to the money, but it was meant to be a, a temporary tax raise. But if you're in the cannabis industry, you're one of the lucky ones. You're the, we're the luckiest people on the face of the earth right now, as far as businesses are concerned, sales are up. Uh, you know, we're still able to operate, you know, at, at, at full speed. Uh, we just got, you know, they say it was because it was medicine. I suppose it's because, you know, the municipalities and states really like our money. Uh, you know, we bring in big sacks of money every every quarter. I'm sure that helps. But, I, you know, it, it was something that was sincere, uh, you know, from, and I only wanted it to be uh, temporary, but, you know, it, it did uh, get a lot of backlash from the, the, the industry, I'm in a trade organization out here, you know, it officially got me kicked out of that, but you know, no, that, no kidding. Oh uh, yeah. But I don't give a fuck. I just say what I'm going to say. And you know, the chips fall where they, where they fall. And you know, if, if people don't like it, they don't like it. And honestly, you know, if you would have like gamed it out politically, it's a sincere point, And I wanted to make it at the time. And I think it was a point to be made, but then when you go to have the broader conversation two years from now, when the economy's healthy and Long Beach is getting all its money and the oil companies are back up and all the different places Long Beach gets money, you could be the guy standing there that says, yo, when it was COVID-19, I was here, I was stepping up and I was willing to pay an extra half a percent, 1%. Now I'm saying, look, the city's got enough money. You know, these businesses, they need to compete with the illicit market. Let's take it down a point or two, right? And so like, I think that you have more credibility when you uh, approach an issue without, uh, an absolute, uh, you know, ideology. And at one moment in time, hey, this would be the one exception to the rule. Everybody's suffering. Let's raise them. But then as the city gets more healthy, I think it also gives you an opportunity to say, hey, remember us? We are the people that were there saying, come on, let's go. Let's raise the taxes. And as part of that deal, 
they were willing to, we ended up getting the hour of operation anyway. They were willing to add an extra hour of operation. So we were going to, you know, net profit from the, if it was a half a point in an hour of operation, we are going to net profit from the deal anyway. And like I said, the, 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 the comparison is, is clear, right? Any other business, let's put cannabis aside. And don't get me wrong, cannabis taxes are way too fucking high, way too much red tape. But at, at, at the moment in the pandemic, any other business, bar owners, I know a bunch of them that are local, they're like, man, you're fucking lucky as shit. We're getting the shit kicked out of us. So I, I just think it was the, you know, the right thing to do. I stand by it now. And I, I stand by it, uh, you know, in, in the Grunion. The Grunion thing was kind of funny because someone like try to leak it as like a shit talk on, uh, you know, I have an idea who it might be on uh, Instagram. But what they didn't know was like, you're not leaking this shit. I'm trying to get an op-ed published right now uh, in the Grunion Gazette. Like everything I say, I just say out in the open. I'm a pretty direct speaker. It might be one of my weak points. Could be a strong, strong point. I don't fucking know. But uh, no, that's something that I stand by. And um, I, I think it's been misconstrued a little bit. And, you know, there was some real weird uh, commentary behind it. It was meant to be temporary, show good faith. And then we come back to the table and, you know, if we're here in Long Beach, we're eight at rec. It'd be nice to get to six or seven, but they did extend uh, business hours and hours. So I think that kicks in here pretty soon, maybe in the next uh, around Thanksgiving time or, or so, I think maybe 30 days from either tomorrow or last Tuesday, whenever it was. So, you know, that's it. You know, it, it was a unpopular decision, but uh, I took it and stand by it and got no regrets. So I, I, I got to ask you, just sitting here talking to you, you're, you're very, you're very passionate. You're, you're very, you're very interesting, which, you know, a lot of times, you know, you get people who run dispensary on the show and they're, and they're very buttoned up. So, so it's really refreshing. So I got to know what, what for you is the most, most rewarding aspect of this industry? Well, I mean, Look, the, the the thing we're most proud of is is uh, you know being aligned with the union and the jobs we're creating and the community outreach, and that really is what we want to do: be good corporate citizens. But we take it a step back, but I kind of give you like the knee jerk id response. I just love the fucking hustle. Like, I, the money to me is just like some abstract scorekeeping. Like, if I had a whole bunch of more money, I wouldn't move. I wouldn't buy a different car. Like, none of that shit would change. I wouldn't wear a watch. I just didn't really enjoy the game. I think license hunting is exciting. Um, you know, uh, my passion is 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 trying to build the biggest company we can for, for for the right reasons. And you know, like I said, we're an interesting dichotomy because we're fucking killers. And my guy, he's sitting next door, Damien. I mean, he's just a stone cold killer too, right? And we're trying to win these licenses, but we believe deep in our hearts and and and, and no fake ass shit. No, we're not saying it to go win some more shit somewhere else. We really believe in, in being good corporate citizens, creating good jobs, you know, creating healthcare, and in every place we go, you know, we're going to do community outreach, and you know, we'll see how far we can take it. But you know, I don't think there'll ever be a time, no matter how big we get, and it gets harder and harder as things grow, where we're going to be the kind of company that wants to, you know, pick out at the top and not take care of our our, our workers. So you know, we're, we're we're super passionate about that. Um, but I just I just love the game, and and you know, there's nothing better than you know, sitting at a city council meeting and, uh, you know, they're going to announce the winners and you think maybe who your votes and you don't know who the other guy's votes are. And the other guy thinks he has a certain vote and he knows he ain't got it. You're kind of laughing at his ass. Um, I mean, I don't want to give up too much of the game, but that, but, but that shit's great. And you're talking about, you know, the big boys, right? Like, and, 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 you know, I call them the trust fund babies, not the individuals, but the companies, right? Like they didn't grow up 
they grew up with hundreds of 300 million, whatever in the, in the, in the bank. So like not really able to run a business because they had too much money to, to start with. Right. We're the gritty, you know, uh, you know, started with very small money and built our way to it. So being out, able to outmaneuver those guys and outplay them, um, you know, and, and, and maybe I don't even like winning as, as much as I hate losing. I think, you know, somebody either Tiger Woods or Jordan said some shit like that. Um, but it, there is something uh, to the allure uh, of winning. And, and, and we, you know, with those wins, though, I truly believe that in any city we go into, we're the best applicant. You know, I fucking answer every call, uh, you know, that same day. Uh, you know, if, if it's anybody that I'm a liaison, I'm a liaison for almost all of our entities. You know, when we have a local partner like we do in Pomona, then, he, you know, he'd take the call. But it's important to me, no matter who it is, I clear my deck, you know, at the end of the night, almost without uh, exception. The buck stops with me. We fuck some shit up. I come in there and say, yeah, I fucked it up. Right. And vice versa. If you have an issue, call me anytime. You know, I I'm, hope I'm, I'm always able to uh, to do that because it, it keeps you in touch with, you know, wh whoever it is, whether it be, um, you know, political people. They want certain things or want the store to look a certain way or want you to run it a certain way or, you know, the bud tender who has certain opinions that are very valuable as well, you know, or, or you know, whatever input from staff, it all just uh, super critical. But, you know, the, the chase is, is, is really what, what gets me, you know, some, I've had investors ask like, well, what do you think the end game is? Are you just going to, I go, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 42 now. One thing I've learned is I think a lot fucking different now than when I was 30 a lot different than when I was 20. So I have no idea how I'm going to think when I'm 50, but, you know, sitting on a beach drinking a, something fruity sounds like fucking torture to me. So I don't know, if, you know, maybe when I'm 52 or 62 or at some point I'll have enough. But uh, right now, like I couldn't think of anything you could be doing on the face of the earth. It's more fun. It's a brand new industry. It's super dynamic. It's always fucking changing. It's street by street, block by block, like I said. And, you know, th this is the most fun I'd ever want to have. So, like, when they're like, what's the end game? And it, the end game sounds like, you know, uh, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, some place uh, with a white sand beach and a fruity drink doesn't really sound that great to me. Like, you know, maybe I get there when I'm older and I slow down a little bit. But, you know, to me, the, 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 the real excitement uh, uh, is, is the, the game itself. It's, it, it, it's really fun. And we do it for the right reasons. And I think that actually helps us get to being good corporate citizens, right? Because, you know, I, I would be embarrassed. Uh, and everybody has their own way of rolling. I know guys that roll fat, that's all good for them. But, you know, I'd be embarrassed if I was, uh, you know, rolling too fancy. So I don't think that no matter where we go or how it happens, uh, that's going to, you know, change anytime soon. So, so you know, you know that they say that that people who who swear very often are are trustworthy and truthful human beings, um, and and so so I, <laughs> so I can't wait to ask you this question, man. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs? You know, I mean, you're a you're a gritty. I mean, you you know, you're sitting. I I, I can see you. People won't see you, but you know, your your cowl uh, pullover is is faded, and and you know, you're you're an everyman basically, and and. It, you know, you, you get, you get that in this industry, but not, I don't think to the extent that, that, that you sort of represent yourself as, and, and probably are because, you know, I, anyway, so, so, you know, gritty, uh, foul mouth, what you refer to as a, as a fat face fuck, um, you know, what advice does, does a guy with your background, with your attitude have for entrepreneurs? Well, it's an interesting conversation as I get to know you better, you know, I'll be a little looser with it. If I'm having a conversation, 
you know, uh, the first time I meet a, uh, a political person, I'll tone it down a little bit. I'll probably still drop one or two in there. Right. <laughs> it won't be probably quite as much on this interview. I'm just loose. We're just chatting. Yeah. Um, it is an interesting question. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, probably mildly more careful, uh, you know, if, if I don't know somebody or, or whatever, but you know, I usually throw, I don't really think about it that much. Um, but as I get to know someone, it's just, it's just the way of talking, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad or, or what it's just, you know, how I've talked, you know, Long Beach is kind of like that. That's how I grew up. That's how everybody, uh, talked. And, you know, I, you know, people sometimes will ask me for advice, you know, guys, not a lot of times, but it happens. And, and I'll be like, just do you, if you're a nice dresser and you know, that you're, you're, you're refined and that's the true you, then just do you. So that, that's me. But, you know, look, if I'm giving a presentation at a council meeting, yeah, well, I'll try to lay off the, uh, f-bombs or if i meet you know maybe the next gen next generation above me uh council person i'll lay off it and you know i'll probably still drop a few in there i might do one of these they can't see sometimes when i meet someone for the first time hey, i'm on a podcast bro yeah i'll i'll uh i'll turn the hat around and uh you know try to get it a little bit better but i won't change much else so like nice the hat. most i'll do like if i got a guy who might put in a little bit of money i might flip my hat around i might not but for the most part, you know, there's not a lot of uh, uh, changes in the in the appearance or the vernacular. So, so what what would you tell someone who who comes up to you and says, you know, you know, what advice can you give me as somebody who has has successfully created a business without, you know, six figures, seven figures, eight figures? Oh well, I mean, to me, the main thing is action. Like I failed a lot, you know, in life too. So, uh, you know, I went busted in. Uh, and the foreclosure crisis of, you know, I was doing pretty decent in my twenties, went busted in 2007 time period, had to rebuild it. Then we started doing foreclosures. You know, I spent a couple of years of my life as a meth addict, so I had to overcome uh, addiction. Yeah. I, I've smoked enough meth in my life to kill a fucking elephant. So, you know, I had to deal with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 15 years past that. Like the fact that I'm a CEO of a company today is, is, uh, uh, is crazy. You know, Right after Long Beach, we tried to run an ordinance in Compton. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Uh, we got the shit kicked out of us there. Um, so, you know, a lot of it's action and just learning from your mistakes. I, you know, you got to have a good strategy and kind of an approach and get more wins than lots of. But, it, you know, I find it, it, it's a weakness and a strength. You know, you compare it to a poker player. Maybe I play a few too, too many hands. but then play you. Figure, you, Yeah, <laughs> we, we figure out the... You know things from that, and then you know as we get to the next iteration, uh, you know we get better and better. You know, I'm, I'm just generally a, a you know a risk taker, so you know there's there's really no easy way to get there. You know my advice would be to be patient. You know we got a couple of interns; they went to finish their senior year. They're coming back. I really like them, and you know I, they're I can think of myself at 20. It's like oh I got to make it now, but you know I think at the end of the day. You got to put in the hard work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, I, I take it all pretty well, but you know, the, the, the biggest pressure point is that, you know, I have people give me their money and they trust that I'm going to give them a good outcome. So I give them all the same spiel. I go, look, there's no guarantees. Everything has risk. You know, I, I think this is a great opportunity, but I just want to make sure you know that it has risk But the guarantee that I give them all is I'll treat your money like the most important thing in the world. And I'll fucking work as hard as I can to make sure that the investment is, uh, successful so you know a, a lot of it was from learning i had to get a little more mature i mean i'm barely mature now i was horrible in my 20s right so 
you know, and I blew, you know, I blew up, you know, I was a, uh, a party too much. You know, I let my ego get the best of me. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I had a, I had a, a long way to, uh, you know, claw back. I don't know why I'm going to say this on your podcast, but literally lost my mind. They had me tied down to a bed, uh, in a, uh, in a mental hospital for, uh, uh, a few days. And, you know, now that's, you know, way behind me. I'm not ashamed of it. It's who I am. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, got heavily involved during that time in a 12 step program. That's a lot of the way that, that, that I live my life today. You know, when you focus on self, um, and look, we all do it. I'm not trying to act like I'm, uh, some, you know, I, I don't want to, to put that out in the universe, but I think I'm, uh, you know, some great, uh, you know, uh, chivalrous person or whatever. But, uh, you know, we, I, I try to do my best every day. You know, what can I do for somebody else? How can I help this guy? How can I help that guy? When, and, and, you know, how can I be a good husband? Have four kids? How can I be a good father? And when, when that's at the forefront of your mind, I think, you know, you, you get a lot more, uh, you know, joy out of life. So, you know, the good thing from some of those crashes that I had, you know, I had to relearn a, a philosophy of, you know, getting out of yourself and trying to help other people. And, you know, look, everybody gets absorbed here and there and has their uh, streaks of narcissism and greed. I, I, God knows I, I have my own, but I'm always trying to reset and remember like, hey, look, this is why we're doing that. And anytime you're going in that direction, I feel like you're winning. Like, hey, what can we do for this guy? What can we do for that guy? And sometimes, like I said, it's the little thing that really makes me feel good. You know, whether it, you know, be... You know, uh, you know, being able to deliver the cannabis care package myself and text the guys that are sick. Yeah, I could have a guy drop it off, but you know, that kind of stuff uh, it means a lot to me, and I always want to stay engaged and 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 do that. And you know, the second I walk in my front door, believe me, I'm humbled. I'm like sixth on the list. So, yeah, there's six of us. Yeah, I'm sixth on the list. So my joke is, you know, I'm CEO hat, and then I walk in, and then I'm like, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel. Uh, employees. So, you know, I, 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 that keeps me humble and, and, and grounded too. Um, and, you know, I try to do my best with all that stuff. I'm not, again, I'm not perfect, but that, that keeps it, uh, keeps it focused. But, you know, I had a lot of failure too, uh, along the way, made a lot of mistakes. And I think this time of my life, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm mature enough, uh, to kind of handle it. You know, I had a few ideas in my twenties, but I was a, a, you know, kind of a dipshit. So, um, you know, all those have been important. You know, my advice to anybody would be, fuck it, go for it. You got no wife, you got no fucking kids, you're in your 20s, you have nothing to lose. Go bust, who cares? Start back over, go sleep on mom's couch. Like, just do it, right? It's the action and then learning from that. But there's no way you could read it in a book. There's no way it could be taught. Like, cannabis can't be relearned. You see these super smart CEOs and guys who brought high-end retails coming in. My fucking purchaser will kick the shit out of any of those people because she knows what the market is, she knows the industry, and it's just something that you have to learn. Same thing with cannabis and how the process learns just by being each process. It's not one size fits all, but there's different little kind of bits of knowledge that come from each one. So, man, I really, really appreciate you, you're telling your story. Um, you know, not a lot of people would would be as open, especially with sort of some of the personal stuff. And I think that that adds uh, to your credibility in a way that uh, I, I appreciate at the very least. Um, so where can people find out uh, more about Catalyst Cannabis Company and, and maybe more about you? Well, <laughs> I don't, uh, they could probably Google. I don't know. No, we're actually just redoing our website right now. Uh, so we're going to have Catalyst Cannabis. I think there's a slash in it.com. Just Google it. Uh, it's almost finished. It was a big uh, item at the, uh, at, at the meeting. I think there's a rough uh, version that's up. You know, uh, 
there's probably, you know, like anything else, uh, you know, some publicly uh, disseminated in information. I've done a couple interviews, you know, not a lot of stuff. Um, you know, if, if there is something that I want to get out there, it's that, you know, we really love the customers too. Just like we love our workers, we love the customers. And, you know, I'm always debating, uh, you know, uh, different forces with inside the, uh, uh, our organization that we could price a little bit higher. We could suck a little bit more. And it's a good debate to have. And look, if we don't monetize stuff, we can't exist, right? So it's, we're always walking that line. But, uh, you know, the message I like to put out there is like, we're fucking running on some razor thin margins. And we're able to do that because, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, it's high taxes, it's fucking regulation. Yeah, that's part of it. But the reason we offer the price so good is because we're sacrificing up here at uh, C-Suite. So there's not a lot of stuff about out, about us. You know, we were licensed as, uh, you know, connected cannabis for a great deal of time and had different names on different stores. I always say we're their newly spawned bastard cousin uh, and we're trying to make our own uh, identity. So hopefully, uh, you know, we've, we've really only been us Catalyst Cannabis Co. The parent company, you know, has kept the same name, which nobody knows, uh, for you know whatever it's been, three or four months. So we're we're trying to build that brand. Uh, you know, we're trying to you know put out that identity. You know, weed for the people is uh, you know kind of sums it up. If you could sum it up in a hashtag, but you know, I'm sure as you can gather from this interview, interview, we just try to be like the gritty, blue collar, not flashy, you know, guy. You know, we're we're not big into like. $100 bills on girls' asses to sell weed. Like that shit to me is whack as fuck. But we want to, and, and there's a bunch of, and I'm not going to name names, but there's a bunch of people out there, you know, throwing $100 bills on girls' asses and rolling around with Lamborghinis and shit. I don't know how that sells weed. I'd rather just sell it to you for cheaper and not have some guy throwing $100 bills uh, on some girls' asses. And I know everybody who puts that shit in that package. So it's no better than uh, the stuff that I could white label, right? And I can give it to you at a, uh, you know, at, 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 a, at a cheaper price. So we keep the menu really high end and good, but we deliver it underneath, you know, everybody else. And hopefully eventually the consumer realizes, you know, it's all that, it's all played out, the hot girl model shit. I don't want any, you know, none of that shit's my, my, my jam. I want the everyday, you know, uh, working man, everyday, you know, uh, you know, mom, I want grandma too. I want grandpa, um, you know, and I'll take the cool kids as well. But, uh, you know, I kind of like, we're going for like the, I don't want to say radically uncool, but I'm down with that. Right. Uh, so it, and it, and hopefully that catches on and becomes, you know, cool in its uh, own way, but like nobody from this company is ever going to do this shit. I'm on a video, sorry, but you know, like you would be uh, throwing hundreds in a, in, a, in a girl's ass. I just don't think that's fucking cool. I don't think that sells weed. I don't think that has fuck all to do with anything, but it's out there. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we could change that culture too. And that's that's Elliot Lewis, man. He's the CEO of California based Catalyst Cannabis Company. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show, man. And, you know, I, I, I I'm a, I'm gonna get you on the show again, because because this Let's is do it. thoroughly entertaining <laughs> and thoroughly informative. And I, I, I really couldn't have uh, didn't anticipate this. And, and, I'm, and I'm fucking well, thrilled. by the way, rule number one. So we got like a few rules rule number one at catalyst is got it so and i think once you like put that rule into play uh the rest of the shit falls into place you play loose it's fun it's easy don't take the shit too seriously but you know we, we work hard but we want to have fun so i appreciate you having me on uh, it's been fun i love talking shit for like whatever it was uh damn i was what we get with like 45 minutes uh i could hear myself talk all day no i'm just kidding <laughs> but uh i appreciate it and uh 
I'd love to catch up soon. Hopefully we will, man, really. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com on Spotify and in the Apple iTunes store on the Gontrepreneur.com website. You'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. And we're